What is up, everyone? It is Denise Salcedo. Welcome to Fight for Wrestling. And it's super weird having me introduce this show when Sean is literally like right down there. But either way, we're here to talk Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill. And it was a very, very phenomenal show. Top to bottom, a good card, including the pre-show action and the main card action, etc. But we're going to go ahead and talk all about that and more in just a second. But before we get started, I have today my official co-host is Steven Jensen. Thank you so much, Steven. Uh, from the Fightful Select Weekender podcast, Fightful Fight Night, and all of that and more. And also, we have none other than Sean Ross Sapp, who is here to, uh, to I guess, bless us here with his presence and give us some news. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to do, do the show for FightfulSelect.com. As always, guys, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. Every bit of news I'm about to tell you, we've probably reported on FightfulSelect.com. It's like 16 cents a day, $5 a month, and you get uh, Steven Jensen's Weekender podcast as well. But uh, I know that a lot of you are going to donate Super Chats. You're going to donate Humper Chats, and you're going to be asking a lot of questions. And I got some answers for some of those questions before you even ask them. Man, there, there's so much here. Deanna, who just lost in the main event, faces Roxy tomorrow at the tapings. She is expected to win that match based on people that I talked to. Not, not a spoiler, but people say, yeah, we expect that. Roxy had a tryout with WWE last month. She was there. Uh, it was stressed to me that the main event was not reactionary to the Royal Rumble announcement of last night. This has been planned at least as of a week ago, and Impact kind of wanted to, to surprise their audience and do something special. One person compared it to the TNA Unbreakable main event that had the X Division Championship main event as well. Uh, the ROH stuff, oh boy, that that has turned a lot of heads. Um, people that are that might pop back up in ROH have been told, no, really, we are doing it. We're doing something in April. Um, one of those people you would imagine is Jonathan Gresham. Not only is he a free agent, he actually got his walking papers like three days after final battle, after he won the title, he defended tonight. They gave him his release papers like two or three weeks early, but he's got a positive relationship with ROH because he has to go through the office to approve title defenses like what we saw tonight, like what we're seeing at Terminus. So uh, there is still an ROH office. There is still an ROH PR department. I'm still getting stuff from them on, on a daily basis. There are some other deals that were up recently. Mike and Maria, theirs were up at the end of the year, but PCO popped up. His deal was actually up before final battle. He wasn't there. His deal was up at the end of November. On December 1st, he was technically a free agent. Um, Ian Riccoboni has been doing New Japan stuff, but that's under ROH's blessing. Ian Riccoboni does still have an ROH deal. Uh, when I reported that a bunch of these deals were up on December 31st, I had a lot of people go, oh, well, of course, they're going away. No, a bunch of those deals are still active through March 31st. If the deal went past then, went past the, the new year, they usually go until like March 31st and they're kind of dead. Something new will happen. Uh, from what I from what I talked to uh, people uh, backstage and Impact about, it doesn't appear Mickey has an exclusive deal. So, I know that this WWE Impact thing, a lot of people are like, Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door. It is. And they mentioned Impact's title on their show, but I don't think she has an exclusive deal. I'm still working to find out more on that. Uh, Fightful Select will have more on it. But from what I understand, like mentioning this title was a part of the agreement, which uh, I'm going to get shored up and confirmed. But 
yeah, a whole lot of stuff happened. And uh, somebody's saying, is Roxy a free agent? Yes, she is. So, Sean, just to kind of clarify here for a second, because I know you touched on a lot right now, but just kind of going back a little bit to the Mickey James thing, you said that she is not exclusive to Impact Wrestling, right? So she has not signed any sort of exclusivity contract. Has she, what, what kind of deal are we talking about in terms of, you know, she's obviously their champion. Do they have like a, is it like a paper appearance thing? Or is it like a set amount of dates that she is maybe, you know, set to be there for a time, certain, certain time period? Like, what's that all about? I was given the impression, now again, this isn't official, I don't want anybody to report this, I was given the impression it's paid per appearance. I could be wrong there, but there are, there are also a lot of deals right now that Impact has with people where they can work like AEW, they can work NWA, they can work a lot of stuff. They're very different deals. And you're going to start to see some people who have been regulars in recent months, and especially during the pandemic, not be regulars anymore. We saw AC Romero leave, uh, we hear that Brandy Loren isn't coming back. Uh, we saw Rohit Raju. That was a shocker to me that Rohit Raju uh, left uh, Impact Wrestling, and they're going to probably cycle some more people in. They're taping more often now as opposed to once every two months or even once a month. Now they're taping two, sometimes three times a month. So I I believe that they're probably going to be bringing in like split, I don't want to say split crews, but some crews that aren't necessarily complete and they'll be cycling some people in and out. It's going to be a really interesting uh, period for Impact Wrestling. That's definitely, I think based on what we saw today, you know, you mentioned we already had the, like, everybody was talking about the Mickey James impact WWE thing. And then today with the ring of honor invasion, and then kind of even just the way that they closed off the show, because like, who would have thought you would have, you know, the former Ton Phillips over on impact wrestling, essentially closing out the yeah. show, promoting WWE's Royal rumble with their knockouts champion who just won in the main event heading in as an entrant to the Royal rumble. Like, that and, doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and I had a lot of people on my Q&A show this week. Somebody said, is somebody replacing Matt Stryker, or are they just going to bring back Josh Matthews? And I know Josh Matthews does a lot of great things for Impact Wrestling. I'm glad that they didn't go back to Josh Matthews. Tom Phillips killed it on commentary tonight. Tom Phillips, without having to push buzzwords or have somebody yelling in his ear, he did great. Uh, I asked somebody earlier this week, I was like, hey, Who's coming in for commentary? And they wouldn't tell me. Uh, they said they didn't want to jinx it in case it fell through. Uh, this was a really good one. They hyped it up to me, and I, I thought it lived up to the hype. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot more on this on FightfulSelect.com. Please subscribe. But guys, leave your super chats. Leave your humper chaps. Humper chats. Not humper chaps. The, nobody was wearing chaps by the end of this show. People got strangled with chaps on this show uh but uh please uh enjoy the show guys denise steven thanks for having me yeah get out of here sean bye <laughs> i was like hey when's sean going how long is he gonna be talking for just kidding uh, we're all good friends with sean ross sap after all he employs us um let's go ahead and get into the show because steven there is so much to talk about you know right now we already got kind of a bunch of you know little news bits that sean just went ahead and gave us but on top of that we had a legitimately action-packed show that we're going to go ahead and cover and um just off the start i first of all want to kind of get started by maybe giving our overall thoughts in terms of how you felt heading into this pay-per-view and how you felt coming out of this pay-per-view and then obviously we'll talk about everything more in depth so i say this often about impact they have four times a year where they get a lot of buzz 
like these pay-per-views, everyone talks about impact, no matter kind of what wrestling companies you follow, everyone's eyes are on impact four times a year. So it's really on them to really capitalize and try to retain the viewers that, that kind of catch this buzz four times a year. Like we'll see like kind of big jumps throughout the year of like, like popularity and viewership, then it'll dip, then it'll come up and then it'll dip. And this show I thought totally delivered. Like this was a really, really, really good show in my opinion, not just for impact wrestling, but like wrestling in general. I, I thought every match was different. Like you weren't seeing the same thing over and over again. You saw different types of finishes. You saw people of, of all different sizes and wrestling uh, styles and everything. It was, I thought it was done really well. What about you? Well, see, I'm so glad that you mentioned the whole, you know, that, that there's certain times where you have like more buzz for impact and certain months where, you know, it's a little down, but then you come back up. And so that is definitely true. And obviously, you know, we've been talking so much about the Mickey James situation that that obviously provided a lot of buzz heading into the show. But here's the thing, even before that, just looking at the card, I can, I'm not even exaggerating. I was legitimately interested and obviously I was interested you know for for the fact that I wanted to see this Texas death match already and with the announcement of w of Mickey James being in the Royal Rumble I legitimately didn't know if that was going to affect the finish or not so the finish to me was felt like an even more big deal heading into the show because I didn't know what that would essentially you know kind of foreshadow for what this would mean with Mickey James's future, the relationship between Impact and WWE, and all of that good stuff. But the other thing that you touched on, and I want to make sure that everybody kind of knows this, especially the people that didn't watch the show and are maybe just listening to the review of this show, is that, so you mentioned that there was all these matches that were, you know, very different and something for everybody. And here's the thing, though, is that I almost feel like when you have a show like this, there's always, I mean, how many times don't you catch a pay-per-view and say, oh, Oh, you know, I like this match. Maybe by this match, I was a little tired, so I wasn't as into it. Or, oh, these people were put in a bad spot because the match before that, you know, uh, was, you know, great. And so everybody was just waiting for this match. How many times don't we talk about that for certain shows? But for this particular show, I honestly felt like from the pre-show to the main event, each and every single match kept me engaged and I was never once going, oh, I'm tired. Let me just get to the main event. Never once. And that to me kind of made the show feel uh, extra special where it kind of felt like, okay, by like the fourth, fifth, fifth match, I'm thinking, well, you know, where are we going to go from here? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like the pacing of the show was really, really done well. And I know you follow MMA as well. And like, there's, that'll happen a lot in MMA where like there's downtime between fights and like the crowd kind of gets out of it or like whatever. This was like great match, great finish, next match, great match, great finish, next match. And then like, before I knew it, we were in like seven matches in on the, uh, on the 10 man hardcore war. And I'm getting, I'm going like, there's only two matches left. Like this has been a great show. It's like hitting me, like how amazing this has been. And I started thinking back and I know we're going to review it here in a second match by match. But like, that's when I started kind of realizing like everything on the show has been different and it's going the pacing. has been really, really good. And like, I don't feel bored at all watching this. So like, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. This was an awesome show. And really quick, this is off topic. I just wanted to give you a quick, a quick pat on the back because you know you know I'm a massive game changer wrestling fan. Yeah, you've been you've been you've been killing it on uh, on <laughs> thank on, you on all your stuff there. So <laughs> I, I wanted to I didn't I wanted to tell you that I want to tell the Grinch that over the holiday uh, 
the holiday special, but I don't know if the uh, the message would get would it get relayed or not. But. Yeah, exactly. He might have not sent in the message. I get it. I get it. That's awesome. All right, so here we go. So I'm seeing like you know all of these super chats coming in, etc. So just heads up, guys. Uh, if you do want to support the show, if you do want to support the channel, please go ahead and send in super chats, or you can also send in a humper chat at humperchats.com. Not only will you get your question, your question. Oh my God, your question, your statement, or your comments read on the air. But additionally, you do help us out very very much now i'm gonna go ahead and get started and read a couple of these and then we're gonna jump into the show because there is so much to discuss uh let's kick these things off with uh ricardo el idolo who sends in a super chat saying leave it to impact to hype someone else's pay-per-view i love that uh i love the sarcasm obviously it's pretty hilarious uh ricardo also sends in another super chat saying srs covering step post duties uh that is kind of true this time uh i was the one doing the uh introduction there we got a super chat from Dan V900, who says, I'm young enough to remember when certain people said Moose winning the title at Bound for Glory was good heat, so Alexander could chase for a rematch tonight. Still waiting where that remains. A, a huge mistake. Uh, do you want to add to this, or should we just go ahead and uh, continue forward? Well, I think it's pretty clear that Alexander's going to be back in that mix after the the win over Jonah, which we'll talk about. Um, but I, I, it's like I agree and disagree with what you're saying. We're on the same page, uh, me and Dan, but it only if the payoff is Alexander and Moose for the world title sometime soon, like otherwise then yes, like it, it, it just kind of weird for Alexander to, to finally get that title after the X division run and all these great matches. And then like to not be back in that mix, but I fully expect him to be back in that mix after tonight. T Daniel Barber sends in a comment saying the show humped, especially the first half of the show. Big shout out to the ultimate X X division and ring of honor title matches. We got another super chat from Dan V 900 who says I wasn't interested in the men's world title match tonight. When is, which is a big issue for me. Cardona is doing so much better in GCW with his character work. All right. So we won't touch on this now, but I kind of feel like I'm just definitely disagreeing with this comment so far um, because I definitely did like that match, but we'll get to it in, in just a second. So thank you so much to Dan. Uh, we got another super chat from Myron Kidd who says impacts execs and talents have to be feeling like like pigs and shit right now. The pay-per-view hummed. Each match was great. Uh, they definitely should be feeling like pigs and shit right now. And uh, lastly, I'll read this one and then we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. This is another super chat from Dan V 900 who says, I felt the show over delivered and would have preferred Moose winning the title from Alexander tonight. Saban Gresham became my most anticipated match after its announcement. Just so good. I think over delivered is probably a, uh, uh, it's probably a good, I don't know if it's a good way to say it because if you're paying your hard earned money, you want a show to deliver and over delivering is not necessarily a problem but i do get what he means by this show really provided so much yeah yeah for sure i think i think what he's what he could even be saying is he was like how i was i was looking forward to this show i thought the show was going to be very good because on paper a lot of talent a lot of really good matchups but it was even better than what i expected it would it would be going into it is it was what, what what we got you know what i mean so Exactly. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this. So I want to kick off with the thought with the topic, the big topic of, you know, former Tom Phillips, who is now going by Tom. Uh, can Hanny fan? How do you how do you say that? Hanny fan? 
Honey, how do you pronounce his last name? <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. I know him as Tom <laughs> Phillips for forever. I should so have asked I, Sean. Yeah. I should have asked Sean right now. I should have definitely asked him. Okay, well, the former Tom Phillips, who is now at Impact Wrestling, uh, we are no longer with Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker has essentially been, uh, you know, he's gone from Impact. That is it. You know, we're moving on from that. Uh, before I get your thoughts on Tom, for your thoughts on Matt Stryker, were you a fan of his commentary work? Were you not a fan of his commentary work? And how did you feel? about this announcement and how did you feel about his performance here tonight i'm, I'm not gonna like roast matt striker too much here but like i was not a fan of him on commentary i wasn't a fan of josh matthews either it's been kind of a, a string for a while of commentators i'm not that into for for various reasons just not really into their style and, and stuff but tom phillips i thought was or and a fan. <laughs> I feel like um, we should. I don't want to call him Tom Phillips. Know, that's not his name anymore. But that's what everybody still knows him as. But clearly, we can't get the pronunciation. This is embarrassing <laughs> for both of us, Stephen. <laughs> well, he did a great job because he knew the yeah. history. He knew the history of the company. Like he was bringing up stuff about wrestlers that aren't even there anymore. Like just like because of storylines they had had with wrestlers we were seeing tonight. So he definitely did his research. If he isn't a longtime fan, like he definitely did his research. Maybe he's been watching all along and like. He really knows his stuff, but regardless, he came across great tonight. And uh, I, I, I was very surprised when the WWE uh, let him go. Like I thought he was being groomed to kind of be like the next Michael Cole for them for like the next few decades, you know, decades there. But um, Impact kind of stumbled across a gem here, I think, because he fits in perfectly, in my opinion, with Impact Wrestling. I completely agree. And here's the thing that I'm curious about is I wonder how much, uh, well, two things. One, I wonder how much preparation he had heading into the show and whether or not he was watching or how much time he really had to study the Impact product because I feel like he went in there today and he felt very comfortable, you know, with the knowledge of the storylines, the backgrounds, you know, some of the things for the, you know, certain characters and certain gimmicks and whatnot. And that became noticeable to me very early on in the show. He had some really good one-liners I kind of like I, that's what I'm curious like I want to know what his history like what his uh expertise heading into uh impact in terms of his impact knowledge and how much time he legitimately had to prepare for this because if you were to tell me like hey Denise he had x amount of months x amount of weeks however I would believe you because he came in here fully prepared and uh in terms of Matt Stryker there were certain things that I liked from him but there were certain things where I necessarily wasn't that big of a fan of of this commentary so personally uh I really think that this was a huge upgrade in terms of the commentary. And at one point today, when we had the Ring of Honor, uh, when we had the three-man booth for the Ring of Honor World Championship match, I really felt like this is peak commentary right now. You know, with Ian, with Dilo Brown, and with uh, Tom, I kind of felt like we had a really good uh, three-man booth there where I was kind of like, you know what? I wouldn't mind having this for, for, the, in for the entirety of its event. But that kind of just goes to show uh, how good the commentary was. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, having uh, having Ian Rikabani and Bobby Cruz there, like there, that was, I mean, that was perfect to have them there for Ring of Honor. But like the two of them, D'Lo, Tom, Hannafan, uh, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Like those, those are guys that I think were set up really, really well for for commentary for the foreseeable future. If you have access to all those guys, like, uh, I, I think there was a. Let me put it this way: when I go on Twitter. And I'm like kind of kind of lurking throughout the show. I don't give a lot of my thoughts on on stuff on Twitter when I know I'm gonna be doing a post show. I'm kind of like lurking to see what fans are saying about certain stuff. And 
when a lot of the tweets are about, damn, this commentary is great. It's kind of like, we've been waiting for something like this, you know, like the fan, the, it was noticeably better. You know what I mean? So I, I, uh, I really like, I really like that. Um, Vlad Mami Pudi puts in a comment saying that Tom Hanifan was great. Uh, finally a commentator that can keep up with D'Lo in personal hype. I agree. I definitely, um, agree with that comment. Um, we also want to go ahead and thank provide two four seven who also sent in a, uh, a super chat. We really appreciate it. And let's go ahead and jump into the show because once again, we do have so much to cover and here's the thing. So Pre-show. Let's get into the pre-show. Let's start from there. I we we had two matches that were really really good. Both both two total. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Totally different matches for sure. And I kind of feel like, damn. Okay, so I don't know how this is going to come off, but like I kind of wish every pre-show across the board from wrestling promotions felt as exciting and as quick as this one did because this one was a really easy watch. It was a 30-minute pre-show that legitimately felt like 15, 20 minutes. So we had it kicking off with, you know, your two big guys. You have Jake something versus Madman Fulton. Really, really fun to kind of see them go at it, especially because like I said, they're two big beat, yeah, beady, two big... What am I, beefy men, me meaty men? Meaty men slapping me. Yeah, exactly. I always get tongue-tied with that. <laughs> but it's like legitimately, like you're getting these two big guys basically going out there and absolutely killing it. Like we saw a really awesome sit-down powerbomb by Jake something, which was really cool. Uh, there was a moment where Madman Fulton literally like deadlifted, uh, deadlift choke slammed uh, Jake something. And that to me was like really impressive because you kind of, you know, it's hard from both ends to go ahead and execute, uh, you know, something like that. So I really like that there. Uh, uh, him winning Jake's Jake something winning with the with the with the black hole with the black hole slam the abyss seeing that as the finisher I thought was a really fun way to go ahead and wrap up the match but um what did you think about this match yeah it was good stuff good way to open the show up um Jake something you know I, I I've liked him for a long time and it's good to see uh it's good to see kind of I'd like to see him as like a bigger part of the show like on the actual pay-per-view but like if you're gonna open a show up like I'm fine with him coming out there get the crowd going um, I did catch, I think Tom, and I think it was Tom on commentary, said something very subtle during Madman Fulton's entrance. He said something all, along the lines of like, Madman Fulton's the guy who lost his sanity a long time. Yes, a long time that. ago. Yes, and yes. that was, he was an original member of Sanity in NXT for people who may not remember. So it, it's, it's cool because like he was mentioning stuff and I caught him talk about, you know, seeing Rich Swan again for the first, because he's, he, he's not pretending like he's not coming from the WWE and he doesn't know who these people are. And I thought that was a pretty pretty cool nod like right off the bat he's kind of 
giving some throwbacks about some of these guys' careers. And I thought that was really cool. And I like I like the match. It was a good way to kick it off. Good, really solid five and a half minute long match. Yeah, and I don't know how many people were watching on YouTube or anything like that because I couldn't see from my television screen. But I'm just thinking to myself, like I was watching, I was like, people should be watching this pre-show, especially because the reason why I was personally excited for this was the four-way. I don't know how to describe it, Stephen, but for me, when there are certain guys in a match and a certain style that I know that they're going to work, uh, you know, the very fast paced, very, you know, very, uh, you know, lots of, you know, fun spots and all of that. Like I'm guilty of being that person of enjoying that those types of matches. So for me, like this was a full on what I like to call a Denise match, like heading into it. I was like, this is going to be a match that I love. And personally, I kind of felt. It, it, it gave me everything that I wanted. What this was, was Ace Austin versus Laredo Kid, who I freaking love, uh, versus Chris Bay versus Speedball Mike Bailey, who legitimately had um, this big, awesome debut. I don't think you couldn't have a better debut. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Speed, let's talk about Speedball Mike Bailey here, because obviously he wasn't able to, you know, wrestle in the United States for, I think, what, it was like five years, I believe they said, yeah. uh, due to, you know, what had happened, essentially. Uh, from what I gather here, and I don't know if you know the story a little bit better than I do, but I believe he got banned from the country because he had forgotten his passport, correct? So he came in and he didn't want to miss a booking and, you know, that got figured out, something like that. And then he was essentially, you know, uh, not allowed to come back into the United States for a while. That's just, That's my understanding of this whole story and what happened with that. Yeah, and, and he's a guy that, like, people have been waiting for for a while over here you know like he's made a really big name for himself in canada um and he, he looked great he looked great in this match like um i'll say this also real quick i tweeted about this ace austin and chris bay being in this match like i mean this match was great these are four super super talents right here this is very similar to what you'll see in like gcw in a scramble match you know like a lot of similar vibes which i, I love that kind of stuff um but like i don't understand how ace austin and chris bay in particular aren't like main event pay-per-view level guys with impact at this point. Like it is weird that they're still on the pre-show to me, but like the match itself was great. And Mike Bailey looked awesome. I mean, you, like you said, you couldn't have asked for a better debut than that. And the, the fans knew him too. It's like, he came in and like, they, they knew who he was and what he was all about. And if they didn't, they found out real quick. So, um, so yeah, it, it was cool to see. What did you think about Mike Bailey showing up in Impact? Dude, okay, so I'll be completely honest. Like I hadn't been able to see much of his work, you know, heading into this. So I really, really did not know what to expect from him. I think I like I had heard people say like, oh, you know, he's great and all that. And especially if you have, you know, the you have the name Speedball in your name, I'm ex I'm expecting, you know, a lot of you know fast pace and you know all of that type of stuff. So I'm going into this and I'm thinking, all right, cool, you know, I'm ex I'm excited for the guy, but let's go ahead and see what he actually does. So the second he gets into the ring we literally see him go at it with laredo kid and they are moving at such a fast piece uh, pace which is what i said that i really enjoy and then the second that we started to see all of those kicks those continuous kicks that he was doing i was just thinking to myself my god like this guy really came to uh to really came to showcase himself and it kind of I gotta say like thinking about like the story and him not being able to get the bookings that maybe you know he would have wanted to or the offers that he could have gotten had he been able to come into the country and they even mentioned that in commentary and I'm just thinking to myself like man that really you know that really sucks when you think about the opportunities that you missed out on and I was thinking to myself they really gotta give him the win in this match so when they did I legitimately felt so so 
happy. And then there was also the moment where uh, Laredo Kid did that Spanish fly onto uh, Mike Bailey. Dude, I don't know if it was the camera angle or just the move itself or like everything that intertwined and just fell in the right place. But it was such a good moment where I, I was like clapping during this match. <laughs> I was yeah. legitimately clapping. A lot of great spots. The finish was great too. Speedball doing the uh, the shooting star press double knees to the back, and Ace Austin just sold it like a pro. I mean, he looked like he got killed by that thing. So, um, yeah, this this was awesome stuff. I mean, it, this is the kind of match where like if you're on the fence about ordering the pay per view and you watch that, that will nudge I think a lot of people to order it, order the pay per view after you see something like that. And, yeah. and, they, and they have a real future star in Mike Bailey with them. Like he, you can tell when he's going over guys like Ace Austin, Chris Bay and Laredo kid in his debut, like they must have plans for him. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him going forward. And we do have a super chat from Mara Morales who says, great pay-per-view top to bottom. First time watching Impact. It's always interesting to, for me to see like people when they say like, oh, this is my first time watching Impact. Because I am curious to know like, what was it? What was the match that basically made you say like, hey, I'm going to go out and check out this pay-per-view, you know, for the first time. All right. So thank you so much to Mario Morales for sending in that super chat. Uh, let's go ahead and hop into the actual show. Uh, dude, I feel like I was just so excited for this next match. This was for me. And I saw a couple of people on Twitter write to me basically saying that this was the match that, you know, they decided to buy this pay-per-view because it was the first ever uh, knockouts ultimate X match with the winner receiving a future title match. So this was badass. Okay. First of all, I was already excited. I already knew that this was going to be you know something crazy i was already expecting lady frost to do something insane especially given uh her repertoire of skills that she has uh but we essentially had chelsea green versus lady frost versus jordan grace versus tasha Steeles versus alicia edwards versus rosemary um i don't even know where to begin with this honestly um actually before we do we do have a super chat from sheldon jackson who says I'm glad Speedball finally got his visa stuff figured out. I hear from other wrestlers getting a U.S. visa to wrestle is no joke. Uh, it's no it's no joke to get a visa, period, from what I know of. All right, but let's go ahead and get into this. Ultimate X match. Uh, let's kind of start off with how you felt. About, how did you feel about it? Overall, some of the spots that you liked the most. Go ahead and let us know. I mean, it was pretty brutal. Like, some of the stuff that they were doing. Like, off of, like, hanging there and, like, like uh jordan grace hitting the uh kind of just sit out power bomb from up there was brutal i mean chelsea falling off and like landing on tasha like i was like um i i don't know there was all it was it was a brutal match but the fans were loving it twitter was loving it like and that's what they needed to go out there and do like lady frost hitting that that beautiful moonsault off of that scaffolding like um there there was a, a lot of the impact fan base um especially because this is a company that people have to remember like historically speaking, like they'll push people of all genders kind of regardless. So like, like Jordan Grace has been in like ladder matches for the exhibition title and like, um, and that kind of stuff. And I think that the impact fan base for a long time has been like with all kind of the intergender wrestling and all in this great knockouts division, like they've, they've had women come and go, but they continue to have like a really solid core of women's wrestlers there. And I think for a long time, people have been like, why aren't they just having the same like, why haven't they had an, ex, an ultimate X match? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why haven't they done, like, the talent's there? And so they went out there. They needed to show out because it was like, we're going to give you all exactly what you wanted. And they showed out. Like, this was this was good stuff, and the fans loved it. And it was a long time coming for them to have an opportunity like this. 
because I mean, think about it. they've been doing Ultimate X matches for like two decades. And this is the first one with women, and like they set they set a, a good standard uh, going forward for kind of uh, they set the bar high going forward for this match for the women. I think. And it is crazy how long it took to get here, considering how forward Impact Wrestling has been overall with women in general in wrestling. So you would think like this would have happened a lot earlier, but, you know, things take time. Right. And I'm actually just I'm just glad that right now today we got the opportunity to see this match. And I kind of want to talk about some of the spots because there was so many different stuff that I think occurred that I kind of want to give a shout out to just because I think that they were so cool. Um, Right off the bat, we saw Alicia and uh, Chelsea Green essentially go to the top of that truss and do cross bodies simultaneously and if you notice when alicia landed her foot kind of got stuck into the ring apron and that was kind of scary when you're coming from all the way up there and going down and kind of seeing her foot get stuck there that was a little bit of a moment there yeah it really was like that that is scary because so much can go wrong there with like your ankle or your leg and stuff and uh, luckily she looked like she was okay but i i yeah i was a little bit worried there too when i saw that there was also Lady Frost doing a course group plancha from the top of the turnbuckle. That was really fun. And Jordan Grace just showing how much power she has when she was hanging at the top of the ropes there. Uh, Alicia bringing in the candlesticks and literally hitting all of the women. That was really good. Now, there was a moment that uh, I think it, even though it was not executed perfectly, like it wasn't a perfect 10, I still think that it was still charming to see overall. Like it didn't take from the charm. It added to the charm of this. And this was when Rosemary did the spear. Um, to Alicia as she was hanging and she did the spear but if you notice it was kind of a little bit uh technically it wasn't beautiful but it kind of still added to it though like I really liked it it kind of looked like she didn't get the uh proper momentum from the top of the rope to go into that spear uh so that that spot could have been a little bit cooler but it's still uh I think because of the nature of the match and everything that was happening happening to it it added to the charm of it actually um Jordan Jordan and Tasha essentially hanging up at the top of the ropes and seeing them just fall down. And prior to that, seeing Jordan Grace literally just kicking her. And with the power that Jordan Grace brings, it's pretty intense uh, to see that. Of course, the Lady Frost moonsault from the top. That was super dynamic. And then uh, for the finish, seeing Tasha and Chelsea both at the very top hanging there. I didn't know who it was going to be or what direction they were going to go in. Tasha steals, uh, falls down with the X. She wins the match and i think overall it was a very feel-good moment yeah it was i, I like the finish as well uh with them fighting over that x and you don't know who's going to come down with it and i think a lot of people thought chelsea was going to win going into it so there's probably a lot of surprised fans like the ending probably surprised people when tasha was the one who actually came away with it um i probably should ask ahead of time but i thought Ra- rachel elring El- was supposed to be in the match i'm not sure what happened yeah yeah they they removed her but i don't i don't necessarily specifically know why okay um, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless, this, this, this was a great match and, um, yeah, shout out to Jordan Grace. Uh, I, I talk about her every Sunday on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. I'm so I've been such a fan of her since the Indies and I love what she's done in Impact and I love that she stayed in Impact. Um, and she really just brings something different to the table, like literally having women hanging off of her while she's holding both of their body weights on that. I mean, She does some super, super impressive stuff. So shout out to her and shout out to all the women in this match. I just thought this was really, really well done. And for only nine minutes, right? Like this, they thought in a lot, nine nine minutes. minutes? It was a nine minute long match. No, I didn't know it was nine minutes. Well, at least that's what I've got here. According to, according to the notes on Wikipedia, which may or may not be completely accurate. I'm not sure, but 
if that was only nine minutes, like they got in a lot in nine minutes. No, I don't believe it. I can't, like, I didn't check the time. Like I was literally just, you know, watching and enjoying and like reacting and really just kind of get, cause you know, it, the, the ultimate X, like point blank, the point blank, like no matter who's in the ultimate X, like you're going to be excited for it. Obviously there's an extra level of excitement when it's the women and it's the first time ever. And you're wondering like, what the hell is good? What are they going to do with crazy spots? Are they going to do and all of that good stuff? So I didn't even like keep track of the time or anything, but for some reason, uh, like I know it was fast and immediately, I got a bunch of people on Twitter basically saying like, oh, it was too, too fast, etc. But I kind of feel that the fact that we felt it was too fast is kind of a good thing just because we all wanted to see more and really didn't want it to end. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, sometimes the best things just fly right by, right? Like the best times you have in your life sometimes just yeah. flies right by. You know, I agree. We got a super chat from T. Daniel Barber who says, bless Lady Frost for always finding tall things to jump off of. Yeah, seriously, when I saw her climb, she got to the very top, like the very top. And I'm thinking to myself and I could see her like, you know, kind of, you know, aligning herself a little bit. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, it's very nerve wracking to see. But either way, it was really, really cool. Uh, let's see what we got here. So um, I didn't get two Humper Chats in Rose Super Chats in regards to the previous match, which we talked about, which was the pre-show that I didn't get to raid. This was for the uh, for the four-way. And this one is from Myron Kidd, who says, Chris Bay and Ace Austin being underutilized in Impact is both mind-blowing and annoying. There's no reason uh, that should be on the pre-show. Uh, I kind of feel like, do you agree with this, Steven? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, now, the, the match itself is great, like we've said, um, four super talents in that ring, but like uh, I mean, Ace Austin realistically probably should have won their world title like a year ago. And Chris Bay's like not far behind. Like, um, so I, I mean, that, that that's, but that's like a whole, we could do a podcast on, on that just alone, just kind of like impact kind of dropping the ball with younger talent over time. And I think it's a mixture of them being afraid certain people are going to leave and not knowing how much they want to push people, not knowing how long they're going to be there and all that stuff. But like they've had Ace Austin and Chris Bay for a while now. And I feel like they should both be main event uh wrestlers so but but like i said i can't say it enough like if this four-way was on the pay-per-view then we're not even really having that conversation it just happened to be on the pay-per-view and we're all talking about it in a positive way i mean it was a great match so i'm, I'm not i'm not upset about any of that but they i mean they got they got two gems right here like that they've had for a long time that that they could be doing a lot more with in my opinion Right, right. And, you know, and even when Chris Bay was sex division champion, like that reign ended like pretty quickly. Like, I feel like he won it. And the next, thing you know, I don't know how long his reign was, but that did feel very short. Like I was expecting a longer reign for him. But uh, we do have another one. This one is from Zero Fear 94, who says, uh, what is Impact doing with Ace Austin? They gave him a small push and then cooled off him. Now he's taking pins. When was the last time he won a match? And it is kind of a big deal that he was the one that got pinned in this four way, because again, like uh, Zero Fear mentions he was being pushed for a little while there as really the uh you know the up and coming young talent on the rise on the impact roster and so for for mike bailey to get the pin over austin uh, over ace austin i think was pretty uh, pretty interesting within itself yeah i agree and now part of that could be that they want to give a big push to mike bailey and like the kind of the biggest thing you could do would have him beat ace austin in that situation but i i couldn't agree more with that was it a humper chat that that, that was humper chat super chat whether it was a humper chat or super chat i i i i do agree like i mean they 
that's one thing that impact does they start stop people way too often like someone will get a lot of momentum and they'll give them the exhibition title for instance and it'll look like it's all uphill from here and then like they lose it then they're just lost in the mix they don't know what to do with them they put them in a tag team they take them out of the tag team it's just kind of when it, they really should just be like all right ace awesome this guy's young this guy is awesome in the ring. He's only going to keep getting better. We have this guy, Madman Fulton, with him. It's like a perfect combination. They can do tag team matches. He can be his bodyguard, whatever. They got all these options, and they just kind of keep stop-starting him. So it is frustrating because he's, he's just very, very good. And same with Chris Bay. We have a uh, comment here from Luis Polito, who is doing our, who is running our Humper Chats, and he basically sends me a note saying that Ace Austin's last single win on TV was on October 24th against Chris Sabin. So that was what, four months ago? I don't know, three months ago, four months ago? God, that was a while ago. Yeah, October. that's weird. I mean, especially because he, like, he won like the cup to get the title shot, and then like, the, I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it, I, that's if that's true, which I, I mean, a variable could be because um, now that I think about it, because I review impact every week for the weekender and, and it's been a while since Ace Austin's really been in a good spot there. I didn't realize it's been since October, though. That's that's pretty wild. Got it. Got it. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into the rest of the show. We still got so much to talk about. All right. Uh, before we do, friendly reminder, guys, please keep sending in your super chats, your humper chats, whatever you want. Send in your chats. And they do help us out like so much. They keep us funded. Uh, it keeps us from being canceled because, you know, Sean's just ready to cancel the both of us. I'm just kidding. But either way, guys, please go ahead and send those in. We will read your comments, your questions or your statements here on this stream. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into what was a pretty historic match considering the fact that for the very first time ever in impact you were seeing the ring of honor championship Ooh. the ring of exhibition title did i skip something oh Meg Watt. On, okay you're right on my bad my bad i, I kind of you know what's funny i was like mm -hmm. i missed something but in my notes i was you know all over the place i mean I we can do that one first i don't know no let's get into this let's get into this because this was literally um i'm gonna say probably my favorite match of the night I haven't decided. I have not decided. So I want to give this match the proper introduction. And I, I feel like I messed that up. But seriously, Steve Macklin, Trey Miguel for the X Division title. Um, Steven, I'll be honest with you. I think going into this, going into the show, this wasn't necessarily a match that I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited to see, right? Like it was just there. Like it was fine, right? Like I had more interest in some of the other matches. And I feel that I... The second that it got started, because it got started really, really hot with Steve Macklin, essentially just like I blinked and all of a sudden he took down Trey Miguel um, with a uh, suicide dive, right? And then they really kind of just kept the crowd going the entire way through. And so for me, before I knew it, it was one of those things where I was on the edge of my seat watching this unfold. And it was weird because, again, this wasn't one of the matches where uh, I was, you know, the most the one that I was most looking forward to. So I kind of want to get your I, your overall thoughts on how you felt about this match heading into the show and then, you know, coming out of it. So. They've done a great job building Steve Macklin. Like he's been pretty, I mean, he's he was undefeated going into this. He's basically been completely unstoppable. Um, a guy that like, when you look at him, you kind of go, man, WWE couldn't figure out anything to do with this guy. Like he's really damn good. 
You can't um, remember anything that like, I can't remember anything from, you know, his time in WWE, which is unfortunate because you're just like, what the hell? Right. Because, I mean, they made him so generic there and he is a kind of a generic looking guy, you know, like pretty basic look and stuff. But like the way he works, especially in the confines of like the X Division, especially he's totally different than like everyone else that really competes for the X Division title. Like he's he's not almost kind of like FTR, right? Like no flips, uh, all fists kind of thing, like. He's going out there to, to hurt you. Like he's trying to, when he spears you, he's trying to go through your body. Like, I mean, he, he's, he hits hard and he's done a damn good job in my opinion so far in impact and Trey Miguel, I say it all the time, people in the, in the chat are going to, those people in here, they're going to hear this and they're going to be like, he says this every time he talks about Trey Miguel and I'm not going to end the streak right now. I am not a fan of the Meteora. I hate that as a finishing move. Because Trey Miguel's entire move set is better than his finisher. I don't get it. Like they, they go out there and do all these incredible moves, and then that meteor. I I just not a fan. I loved see Macklin kicking out of that first one. I was in the middle of tweeting like love seeing Macklin kick out of the meteor, and then like by the time I was gonna hit send, he hit him with the second one and pinned him, and I was like, oh, never mind. I'm not gonna tweet that. Um, Joel Pearl knows. He 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 knows exactly what I'm talking about. But this <laughs> this match was awesome. This was my favorite match of the night. Um. I'm not going to sit here and really roast the, the Meteora. Like, I mean, it's fine. I know people like the move. I'm just not a fan. But the rest of the match, like, that was that was just a damn good, how long was that one? About 13 minutes long. And they, they there was no downtime. I mean, that was, that was a hell of a wrestling match right there. Hats off to both of those guys. I loved it. So I kind of feel, first of all, don't you hate that when you tweet something and then something happens on the screen like 10 seconds later, you're like, oh, now that makes that tweet look really dumb. I shouldn't have tweeted that. Take your time with your tweets. That always happens to me. But anyways, the second thing that I kind of want to fight you on here, Stephen, because when Trey Miguel did the Meteora on the outside of the ring first, I popped so hard for it because I don't know. It was just the, you know, obviously it's a move that you see fine, but it just hit different for some reason it was more impactful and when he did it I was like oh yeah like I had such a major reaction for it and then when he you know went back into the ring and ended up hitting uh it was two meteoras afterwards and eventually getting the win I just I loved it I was completely uh invested in it especially because they had done he had done the one on the outside and then the two back into the ring so had he just done I think the two in the ring I could probably or just even one I think I could have seen your arguments there for like a second but I think given everything that they did leading up to that point I, I gotta say I was a fan of it regardless of how they uh, even if it would have just been like a one meteora you know in the ring and at the center of the ring okay fine I would have been cool with that regardless but I legitimately had a big reaction to the one on the outside like I cannot tell you um so you know I mentioned that he did that that we started off really quickly from there uh uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about some of the other moments that I thought were kind of cool. There was a moment where uh, Trey also did a uh, drop kick on him on the ramp also before they got into the ring. And you just see Steve Macklin like literally selling that like crazy. He just starts bouncing like for, for like a bit. I really like that too. Uh, Trey did the front flip. Uh, 
uh, over the turnbuckle and ended up landing like a little bit into the crowd because of all the momentum that he was riding. I thought that was a pretty good moment. Uh, after this, there was also a really awesome spot where uh, Steve Macklin did a spear, but instead of Trey Miguel like falling out into the ring, he kind of stayed there. Like a you know, like he just stayed there. It was kind of a it made it look so much better that he got stuck in that little position right in the corner of the ring. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then you know eventually leading into the Meteoras. I like this. I legitimately feel that this was such a uh, solid performance. I-, I feel like a bigger fan of just everybody here. Yeah, yeah. This, Like you said, this was great stuff. I love that spot, like you said, where Trey is upside down and Macklin hits him with that spear and they just get stuck there. I, I thought that was one of the best spots of the whole match. And to the, to the point about the Meteora, on the outside, I did like it as well. And in the way that Trey hits it, he hits it better than like really anyone currently doing the move like he's got some impact behind it so um it's just one of those things where like i think it comes off better when someone's standing than when they're like on the ground because they're not really like he's kind of just like landing on their shoulders hitting his knees into the ground and like almost face planting and it just kind of doesn't when trey mcgill's so good but the other thing that i wanted to bring up that i that i liked but i was confused was they made it look like MSK was coming out with them, like as the rascals, like two oh, un- said the rascals thing. Yeah, like two, two, uh, two, you know, guys in hoodies. Like, who are these guys that like came out with them? And it was like clearly supposed to be like it was it was Dez and, and Wentz, but like obviously it wasn't. But I thought it was cool that they kind of acknowledged like almost like in, in impact lore, those guys were still hanging out in the treehouse. You know what I mean? But like, we just can't see their faces for whatever reason right now. <laughs> they went into a secret realm. We don't know where they are. We don't know where they are. We got a, a super chat from Dan V 900 who says Macklin losing was surprising to me. Great match though. Was the, was he, was him losing to you surprising? Uh, not necessarily. Like it, only from the sense that Macklin has been unbeaten until now. So like seeing him actually lose, but the way that they did it with Trey, like you said, Meteor on the outside, Meteor kicks out, another Meteor gets him. I mean, like it, he he took everything uh, that Trey could give him to to finally take that L. Um, so I wasn't necessarily surprised because I do like Trey as the exhibition champion, and I think he should be the champion right now. Um, but uh, I can understand people being surprised just because of how dominant Macklin has been, go- uh, you know, up to this point. And we have so we have Dan as well who's agreeing with you on the Meteora. Man, y'all are crazy. Uh, I do have a funny tweet that I want to read from A-Shock who says, leave the tweets in the draft, Denise. <laughs> do you do that? I never draft anything. <laughs> I just like think it and tweet it. Every now and then. If it's something that I think is going to be like controversial, which I, I generally stray from anyways, uh, it's kind of like, I liken it to if you break up with uh, you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something and like you're angry and like you like want to say something. I kind of, I'm a pretty firm believer in like sleeping on it. Like, like don't emotionally it up, take a night, sleep, wake up. How you feel the next day? If you're still feeling the same way, maybe you send it. But like a lot of the time, like for me, nine times out of 10, I wake up and I'm like, delete. That would have been dumb. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You have patience, my friend. You have patience. I can't do that. One time I had something that I wanted to tweet and I sat on it for a whole day. And the whole day I kept replaying it in my head over and over and over. It was killing me, killing me. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, let's go ahead and continue on with this. Uh, this say no Twitter talk show. Uh, let's go into finally. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this match too because, like I said, this was a history making match in Impact Wrestling once again for the very first time ever. You are getting the Ring of Honor World Championship defended on Impact 
wrestling territory, impact wrestling ring, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this was a pretty kind of a crazy moment if you think about it because if you know last year at the top of the year I told you hey we're gonna get the ring of honor world title defended on impact wrestling you'd probably be like why that is why what's <laughs> <Yeah>. happening <laughs> yeah this, this 2022 has already been wild in the, in the world of wrestling for a lot of reasons and this is one thing we're like because I mean I watched you know TNA from literally day one they used to do the shows in Nashville and I used to allegedly I might've used to go on, uh, you know, programs like Kazaa and LimeWire and those things back in the day and find their shows. Cause you know, they were on, they were pay-per-view only for a while and same with, same with ring of honor and like to, to kind of fast forward now, you know, 20 years or whatever and be like, it's wild that in 2022, like the ring of honor title is being defended on TNA basically. Like that's so wild given the history of those two companies that like now we're finally seeing that kind of stuff happen. Like I, as a longtime fan, I think it's really, really cool. And, and I mean, they, there couldn't be a better person right now at the ring of honor title than Jonathan Gresham to be doing these kind of things. So like, yeah, th this was awesome. So I want to, I want to hear what you, what you got to say about all this. Okay, so I was, you know, we mentioned that there was something different for everybody on this show. I think this match was a perfect, ex perfect example of that, because if you pulled, if you, you think of all the matches that we saw, you know, and you compare them with one another, I think that this one was probably the most, uh, you know, it was, it was very different. It, it, it felt very unique. It stood alone in its like own little category, I guess you can say, um, and I see, and we have, like, we're just talking about the match, too. Like, we haven't even talked about, you know, Ian Riccoboni joined in commentary here because I thought he added so much. As I mentioned earlier, I really enjoyed that three-man uh, three booth during this match. Uh, we saw Bobby Cruz do the uh, ring announcing, which was very nice as well. So all of that was cool. And then speaking of the actual match, I think what I particularly liked, and I think part of the reason so many people like Jonathan Gresham is because what you were seeing throughout this match was really him working, you know, the limbs of Chris Sabin, uh, more importantly, the arm the the ankle at one point so you kind of saw that play out throughout the entire match which I really really enjoyed that everything that led up especially to that moment where they did the cradle shock uh I thought that was kind of like everything leading up until that point was kind of the moment where I think the match took off into another direction and you started to see um uh, you started to see uh, both of them do that slap, the slap and the chop exchange. And then at one point, Saban, I kind of feel just kind of went from like here in terms of energy to here in terms of energy. Like there was a moment where you can kind of see where he snapped. So they're doing the chop slap exchange. And then out of nowhere, Chris Saban just slaps the hell out of him. And I'm thinking, my God, that was the exclamation point on this exchange. And then from there, uh, you, you, you kind of just see him exploding this and you go into the finish here. And then uh, Gresham does like a reverse cradle, gets the pin, uh, retains the bout. And it was such a beautiful finish that kind of had this like, it, it hit its peak and then ended at the moment that it should have where it felt like this was an enjoyable match with a very uh, enjoyable finish as well. It felt complete. Yeah, totally agree. And, and Rico Bonnie on commentary, you know, explaining the pure rules and explaining like why it is or isn't good to be going for rope breaks at certain points in the match. Cause you only got three of them and you can't do the closed fist. So they're chopping each other and like, so I thought the commentary and everything involved with like Bobby Cruz, like you said, uh, having the, the ring of honor presence there was awesome. And then the match itself I thought was great. 
Um, if not for Miguel and Macklin, this probably would have, I really liked Alexander and Jonah too, which we're about to talk about, but, um, there's a lot of damn good matches on this show. Um, but Gresham, I, I love the way that he works holds. You never know how he's going to finish matches. That's one thing about him kind of similar to when Brian Danielson, uh, started in AEW, he was doing the same kind of thing where he'd, he'd do different submission holds and different kind of things to beat people. So you never really knew how he was going to end a match. And Gresham's like the master of that. You never know. His, his octopus hold is more or less kind of like his bread and butter. Like when you get someone in that, it's like the, the opponent's in a bad spot. But I loved how he worked body parts. The I, you know, I didn't love him taking the three count with his foot under the rope. Like I wish the, like, cause like the ref, you know, like the ref would have seen that from the start. Like, why would you count three and then look like you should have looked and then not counted at all because his foot was under the ropes. But outside of that one very, very, very small critique, which most people I don't think will have any problem with at all, because um, that's what then led into the the slap fights and the, the back and forth and everything that you were just talking about. Um, so I thought it was all done great. I, I love the finish that that way that he. He, they, they were kind of exchanging like llama straw cradles. And then like he switched it from like a cradle pin into like a different type of cradle, like just float it right over and, and, and stuck Saban to where he couldn't get out. Like that, that's, that, that's when, when there is a ring of honor, pure championship match, that's the kind of stuff you're expecting. And I thought that they totally delivered. I loved it. So this is going to sound really dumb, but like when he did it, the finish, it kind of looked like he wrapped up Chris Saban like a gift and like he's like wrapped him (laughs) up like a gift, bam, taped it up. We're done. This match is over. Like visually, that's what I saw. Like that's how I felt with this finish. So I really uh, honestly just very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, uh, you know, this match heading into it, I think it had a lot of, uh, I think it had a lot of, not I'm not going to say pressure, but it did have a lot of prestige, I think, going into it. Like you felt the prestige being their period so it's nice that you obviously saw that being delivered um all right guys so before we're going on before we move on uh we have a uh very special uh blue chew read here we go i hear you times are rough we just got out of uh, a a wild situation a wild year and people are saying you know what it's a hard knock life but i disagree instead I believe it's a hard cock life when you use Blue Chew and the code Fightful and you get your first shipment free. Free? All you got to do is pay $5 shipping? Blue Chew is made with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But they work on your schedule. Full stomach, empty stomach, ready to go, want to get in the mood. Blue Chew has you covered. Instead of treated, we get tricked. Instead of kisses, we get kicked? I don't think so. More like somebody's getting dicked when you use BlueChew.com. No awkward conversations with the doctor. Because, I mean, you know, I'm all about not being awkward. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. It's because they work with their online physicians to get the active ingredient you need. And it ships straight to your door. BlueChew.com and the code FIFA will get you your first shipment free. That's how confident they are. Free. Use that promo code Fightful. Hardcock Life. My God. I didn't know when that was going to end. I was like, how much more do we got to go with this? Just kidding. It's going to be stuck in my head all night. Hardcock Life. <laughs> it's a hardcock hard life, life for, for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say for, for Sean. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a hardcock life 
for us. It's a hard cock life for us. So yes, are you a smooth when you're in an or I can we killed it. I couldn't remember the words and I love Annie. <laughs> I, just, I was hoping you would jump in and fill in the rest of those lyrics, but I was like, no, 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 no. It's funny because I associate, and I, I remember the Jay Z, you know, the version, but I was okay. So you weren't thinking of Annie I, here. I, I actually was mainly thinking of uh, Austin Powers. If you remember uh, Doctor Evil and uh, Mini Me in the jail, they had like their own version of that. I was in like middle school when that came out, so it was a really big deal. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was us. Um, yeah, Hardcock Life, Blue Chew. Please, guys, uh, check out Blue Chew, Code Fightful. Uh, <laughs> how do you bounce back from that? I don't know. Um, all right, before we move on, I do also want to go ahead and let you guys know, if you haven't already, I have no idea what you're waiting for. If you are a wrestling fan and you want to know all the cheese, man, you want to know the gossip, you want to know the tea, uh, head on over to FightfulSelect.com. Subscribe, join over 4,000 subscribers over on FightfulSelect.com. You get all of the latest breaking news in pro wrestling lots of scoops uh lots of good stuff there so please make sure to head on over to fightfulself.com and click that subscribe button but now i have a feeling steven that you're very excited to talk about this next match and i don't blame you because this was a banger uh we had jonah versus josh alexander two incredible athletes with two guys that have that want to prove themselves that want to really show the world what they can do. Uh, let's get into this. What did you think of Jonah versus Josh Alexander? I love this match. Um, this was also totally different than the Gretchman Saban and the Miguel and Macklin match. Like there were three, I mean, really every match on the show I thought was really good. Um, but it's one of those things where like you see Miguel and Macklin and you're like, okay, then like Gretchman Saban, they go out there and kill it too. And like a totally different match. And then like, halfway through this thing i'm like this is totally different than the last two we saw and this is this might be my favorite match of the night like i loved it i admittedly i didn't see a lot of jonah in nxt just because i generally don't really watch nxt but i know steven steven that's it we're done we're done doing this post show how dare you (laughs) hey i got i got i got an nxt title belt in here uh, a replica title that i won from russell rumble years ago because i used to be very 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 into the black and gold uh nxt i'm not really down for the 2.0 that's just me personally but i want the the reason i say this though is because i saw jonah tonight against alexander and i was like wwe screwed up letting this guy go like that for that guy's size and his agility and the stuff that that guy can do in his youth. So he's a young guy that could be like one of your monster main event level guys in any company. Like I thought, he did, I thought he did great against Josh Alexander. Like he, he far exceeded my expectations. I didn't really have like low expectations going in. I just didn't really know exactly what to expect. Cause I'd just seen probably, I mean, less than 10 matches total of his probably. And this this was good stuff. And Alexander, he ne- he deserves so much credit for this past year with Impact. Like after Ethan Page left and, and the North was no longer a thing and no one really knew what, what Alexander's fate was going forward and all this stuff, he had a banger of an exhibition title reign. He he cashed it in. He won the world title, the whole deal. He he's probably the MVP in my opinion of Impact over the last you know calendar year. And he's just so damn solid in the ring. Like he's, he's so believable in everything that he does. And I just thought that him and Jonah, cause like Alexander's not a small guy, but he was small compared to Jonah. 
And, but he, but he didn't wrestle like he was a small guy against him. He was still trying to pile drive him. He's still trying to power bomb him. Like he's still trying to do his stuff. And Jonah's out there doing moonsaults off the top rope. Like he's bam, bam, Bigelow or something. I was like, this, this is, this is my type of stuff. So I, I was a very big fan. What about you? Well, first of all, so like I've been a fan of his, uh, well, obviously, because my first introduction to him was NXT when he was Bronson Reed. And when he was Bronson Reed, oh, I was sold on Bronson Reed. I remember going in and, you know, doing these NXT post shows and basically saying like, they need to do more with Bronson Reed. They need to give him a character that, you know, he's good already in the ring. Now give him some depth, give him some more character. You know, he finally becomes NXT North American champion. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. And then unfortunately that didn't go the way that we all hoped it would. And, you know, he's out the door but you know people thought he was gonna be on the main roster and when i interviewed jonah one of the things that he made sure to tell me is that he jonah the wrestler or he can literally be placed in any sort of era of wrestling any sort of decade of wrestling and be a big star because of the way that he works and that was one of the things that really stuck to me when we spoke in this interview because i think it's true and you know we mentioned you know some of the people that he reminds us of and kind of seeing him go out there and do it it's just so interesting entertaining uh you you already mentioned the moonsault that was phenomenal uh there was a moment where uh we literally see like there was so much but first of all i do want to touch on the ribs let's talk about the ribs here because uh josh alexander he had taken a bunch of tsunami splashes prior uh from uh from Jonah and so for him to go ahead and you know come into this match obviously he wasn't 100% I loved so much that this played into the entire match because any little thing that was something that was referenced to once again was the ribs and whatnot so I did like that um there was a moment where we saw Josh Alexander do a crossbody uh to Jonah over the barricade I thought that was pretty cool uh the superplex from the top of the rope that was phenomenal I sort of got after that spot and especially when because the camera they they ended up like zooming out so you can see the entire ring i swear the whole entire ring bounced like not just how it normally bounces but like earthquake mode uh, so that was really cool too uh uh josh barely being able to lift up jonah for the power bomb that was pretty entertaining there was a moment where he where uh josh alexander just starts stomping on jonah just starts stomping on his head over and over i love that so much uh him getting the win at the end was obviously uh I didn't know which direction it was really going to go. I didn't know if it was going to go to Josh Alexander or if it was going to go to Jonah. I was going to be happy regardless, but I think Josh Alexander getting the win perfectly fine. Given the story, given uh, it, it makes sense, him getting his revenge, getting his comeback. It's all good. Uh, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it, it made sense for him to win if, because you have to assume the route that they're going is going to be Alexander and Moose as the main event for the title. Uh, I think it was April 23rd uh, was rebellion. What is what they announced? So, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if they do it that soon, like three months from now, Regar regardless, at the end of the day, they need to get back to Alexander versus Moose for the title, given how everything went down with Moose winning the championship from him and everything. But I, I also think this is another example of why it's important to establish more than one finishing move. If you can, if you're a wrestler, because Alexander, of course, is known for the C4 spike, the uh, basically the J driller, uh, the move that Cody's been doing a lot on AEW that's getting everybody all fired up to see a pedigree eventually. Um, but he he was having trouble getting that. He eventually powerbombed him, which was super impressive. But it's like he kept going forward. He couldn't get it, but he's got the ankle lock too. Can't forget that. And he can tap people with that ankle lock. He's got that perfected. So 
when he when when it came down to like what else do I do to this guy? I've I've power bombed him. I can't get him with the power. I can't hook him and, and get him up with that power driver. I, I'm just gonna stomp his head until he can't move anymore, grab by the ankle till till he can't take it anymore. And I thought I thought it was really, really well done. Um and it doesn't hurt Jonah at all. It's one of those things where like, yeah, he came in and he lost this match. This is his first big match with the company, yada yada, but like you lost to basically if not for moves, basically the world champion of your company. And I'm assuming the next few that Jonah gets, he'll probably look really, really damn good again. And he'll probably get some really big wins soon. And he'll, he should be featured as one of the top guys in impact, in my opinion. So I, I thought this was done great all across the board for everybody. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Good stuff all around, man. Really, really good stuff. Um, All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and move on. But before we do, just a friendly reminder, if you do want to get your question, comment, or statement read on this stream, please feel free to send in a super chat or a humper chat. You can send in a humper chat at humperchat.com. Uh, it really helps us out. It keeps us all employed. But let's get into this hardcore war because there's kind of a lot to unpack here. But let's kind of go over through some of our favorite parts, really. Uh, we had the Good Brothers, Violent by Design, which is Eric Young, Diener, Joe Doring, uh, versus the team of Heath Slater, Rhino, Eddie Edwards, Willie Mack, and Rich Swan. And I said I realized the Heath Slater. Um, Heath, uh, either way, but um, this was a really okay. Before we st- before we kind of get into the the details of this match and all of that, I do want to ask you how you felt about the rules and them coming in in intervals. So this may be unpopular to say, I'm not sure, but like, this is, I, I would say the same thing about war games, for instance. I don't love the idea of having matches where you have to come out one after another, especially when it doesn't make sense where it's like, why is it three minutes? Why are they in there for three minutes to start the match? And then new people come in every 90 seconds. Like I just doesn't, I mean, not that it's that big of a deal, but like, I just feel like in these kind of matches, there should be like an elimination aspect or something like, that makes the makes the advantage actually mean something. And, and what I guess mean by that is like when you have wrestler A and wrestler B in there, but you know that like wrestler C is coming in on this team, that really should give you advantage so that these two have a better chance of beating this guy. But in reality, no one really gets any advantage because like no one can win or lose until everyone's in the ring. So like you might as well just kind of start with everybody in the ring if you're going to do that. It's kind of how I feel about it. But I understand why they do it. And like it's, it's for suspense and the kind of unpredictability and like, I'm not saying I, I I dislike it. I'm just kind of saying, I, I say the same thing about war games. Like I wish that was like an elimination style match where like people can get eliminated throughout it and cause like actual odds uh, to favor one team or the other. Um, but that's just me. What about you? I personally enjoyed the intervals. And the reason why I did was because I kind of wanted to see, uh, at least, you know, for the most part in the beginning, when you have a few guys just in there, I wanted to see, you know, those guys kind of have their moment because I feel like if they would have all started, obviously we already knew that we were leading up to that point, And that was the moment that, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to see the face off between both teams and then they're going to go nuts and then do the match, you know, continue with the match. Right. But I kind of like this because I feel like it gave, you know, some of the guys that came in earlier a little bit more to kind of take the opportunity to uh have more time to showcase you know have some good spots do different things you know it's kind of just to show a little bit more because i think had it just started you know with all the men in there i kind of feel what we would have gotten was a bunch of you know little scenes and clips of things happening right but you would miss so much of the other stuff so i feel with the way that they did it you kind of get to see some of the stuff that you might not have seen had this been had this all started with all guys in the ring so for 
me, that's the reason why I liked the intervals. Um, but in terms of, uh, I do want to ask you, because in terms of guys that you feel actually stood out in this match, especially when you have so many ma- when you have so many guys in a match, there's obviously going to be key guys that I think stand out more than others. For me, my pick on this one was Eddie Edwards. I think Eddie Edwards was really the one that I kind of felt went just a little bit uh, you know, a little bit above and beyond. In my in my eyes, he stood out to me the most in this match. Do you have anybody or, you know, more than one person that you kind of felt like, man, they really made this match a little extra special? Well, so uh, to, to your last point, I don't want to miss this. Uh, I think part of the intervals, I think something I really liked about that is how they each like brought their own weapons. So like you not only saw like who was coming out, it was like, what weapon did they choose also? It added some more kind of character to the whole thing, in my opinion. Um I'm going to throw this out there. I talk about this on the weekend or every Sunday. Um, I'm just happy to see my boy Willie Mack on the pay-per-view. Like, I mean, this guy, like everything that I've said about Ace Austin and Chris Bay, I would echo about Willie Mack. Like he's another guy they've had for years that I just don't know how he hasn't been like their world champion or at least in that mix for this entire time. So I was just happy to see him doing his thing out there tonight. You literally just became my best friend right now. I kid you not. I love Willie Mack. Willie Mack is literally my favorite person out there, man. I, Dude, I love him so much. He's the person that if he's on the card, I am watching that show. Whatever show he's on, I will watch his matches because I just think that he is beyond incredible. And I have been thinking this for a very long time I feel that he is severely underutilized I have no idea why he isn't like featured as as you know as one of the top guys consistently because he I I just think he's really really good legitimately I think like in terms of when you think of all of these big guys that we see throughout you know all wrestling promotions I feel like Willie Mack is one of the guys that is not being talked about as some of the other guys are and I really do think that he should be in that conversation so I completely agree with you 100% um so I agree with you on that um, was there anybody else that you wanted to add or do you want to just kind of move forward with this? Um, we'll also shout out Joe Doring. He's another guy that was like a really pleasant surprise for, for impact when they got him because like he was big in all Japan, but he was like really just kind of doing his thing in Japan and like no one in the States was really talking about him for a while. And when he showed up, I was like, Oh damn, Joe Doring is that's random, but I wonder how he'll fit here. And I love, I love the way that he works. He's, he's like a psycho and he's super believable. And he did some cool stuff like the, uh, he was the one who I can't remember who he put through the barbed wire. Rich Lund, Rich Lund. Lund. He put Rich Lund, yeah. But I mean, like he was the one, of course, who did that and stuff. He looks like a crazy person going into the barbed wire and the looks <laughs> on his face. And stuff. I love it. So I'll give a shout out to Joe, Joe Doring as well. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of what he does. I loved it. And he was the one guy that didn't come out with a weapon because his weapon is him. It's his hands. It's him. <laughs> so to me, that was like, that was like, you know, that was some BD energy right there because he really came in and was just like, I'm going to kick butt. He just looked like he just wanted to kill somebody. And again, he was making this face and looking all mean and nasty. Oh, I loved it. And when he did that spot, when he put Rich Swan uh, through that barbed wire board, whatever you want to call it, that was super cool. I really liked that. Um, I think some of the moments that I also enjoyed was Eddie Edwards setting that kendo stick on fire, hitting uh, Doc Gallows with it over the back. I thought that was good. Eric Young uh, doing the pile driver from the ring apron to nice. the table. I was so nervous with that. That moment I was like oh my god you know there's that little suspense there and it and there was enough time to have to build the suspense for it but that was pretty cool too um 
uh, Eric Young and Eddie Edwards exchange uh, hitting each other with the trash bin lids. That was another really good spot. Uh, Eddie Edwards literally doing those two dives right off the bat on each side of the ring. That was some good stuff too. Uh, there was a lot of really awesome things. Oh, the 3D at the top of this with that Willie and Rich did uh, onto Diener onto the table really at the top of the match. Uh, a lot of little good spots spread out as you had the guys coming in with their weapons and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff. Another another spot that like it was real quick, and I'm glad the camera caught it. But uh, uh, Rich Swan hit a 450 from the apron to the outside, and it's like just, I mean, just crisp. The, those those guys are so good. Um, but yeah, I mean this, and, and you know Eddie Edwards is a guy who. This is the kind of role that I like him in the best in Impact right now. Like I don't really need to see him anymore. This is nothing against him. He's just been there for a long time, and he's kind of done a lot of the same stuff over and over. And he's he's perennially like a main event world title challenger kind of guy. And I like him a lot better when he kind of steps away from that and he's just involved in like really good hardcore matches because he's really good at that. Um, and I mean. Some people, I think, in the chat were saying like the kendo stick was the, that was funny and stuff. I give them credit for just trying something different. Like I didn't expect him to light a kendo stick on fire, and he did. So I'll I'll give him credit for that. So yeah, um, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, but the big thing that we need to get into is this Ring of Honor invasion. Yeah. Uh, this was something that I don't know. It, you would think, in hindsight, why didn't we see this coming, right? But did you see this coming? Because I did not see this coming. I mean, not this particularly. I, I did kind of figure that Ring of Honor will have a bigger presence, like on not just an impact, but I think kind of across the board in wrestling, anywhere that they that they can be a part of it. Um, but this was kind of like not kind of a random pairing of like a bunch of Ring of Honor people together. Some people with some history together, some that don't. But to answer your question, no, I didn't. I didn't. I expect this to happen after the match, but I was I was definitely pleasantly surprised to see uh, to see what they're doing with all this. It is so we definitely so let's kind of go over what we saw, what went down. So immediately after this match, we saw Mike Bennett appear. We saw Matt Taven appear. Uh, I missed when Mar I didn't even see Maria all the way until the end, so I missed that part. Um, but we see Vincent coming out, and I think once Vincent came out was when I realized that this was like a Ring of Honor invasion sort of thing. And then PCO coming out, I kind of thought that that was just you know. Know, like oh shoot like is anybody else gonna come out like what's going on here uh so i kind of like how they came in uh really fast like right after each other but it also was enough to kind of have a reaction for each guy coming into this and um so you kind of go in there and you see them essentially go after these guys who just won their match so for me it felt pretty cool to see and i kind of feel like it added just a little bit of uh you know given how much buzz this event had going into the show. I think you needed a moment like this. Obviously, the card was already good, but you know there's certain things that are going to be, you know, more newsworthy, you know, more newsworthy than other things. And this is definitely uh, newsworthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it also gives you a lot of hope for the future of Ring of Honor. Like Sean was saying at the top of the show that they fully intend on running in April, and like these kind of things, I think are really positive uh, kind of reinforcement that that ring of honor like because when ring of honor did final battle most people figured like that was the swan song for the company you know and this is really giving me hope that like they're keeping kind of ring of honor wrestlers and stories active in other companies and um and the people that they're choosing like it, it's cool to see like uh mike bennett and matt taven i think i think together they're way better than they are individually and i think Agreed. that they're 
Thank you for saying that. I was going to add that and I forgot. Thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I honestly think that they're both doing the best work of their careers right now. Like one of the best spots in all the final battle was that Doomsday device when uh, when Taven came over the top rope to the outside. I mean, it was awesome. Um, but those, those guys are doing the best work in their careers, in my opinion, right now. And and I don't think you missed Maria unless I did, too. I think she did come out at the end, like after. kind oh, of. OK, was, I think at least I didn't see her till the end. The end right, I didn't see her either. Yeah. And I um, felt bad because I put out a tweet and I didn't include her name. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like uh, so uh, like OGK is a great tag team. Maria being with them makes total sense. Vincent was kind of an interesting choice, but I, I don't hate it. It was just, I was kind of like, that's kind of random that he's there, but like, it's cool. Cause it's another ring of honor guy. And then PCO is like the real wild card out of the whole mix. It's like, Oh, okay. Like we'll see what PCO is still doing. Cause as you know, we see a lot of him on the Indies out there still killing himself. And uh, I think that the impact crowd, like I'm assuming there's a lot of crossover between there, like in, in ring of honor, but there might not be, there might be a lot of people that haven't seen PCO do this version of himself maybe not i mean it's possible there's people that are seeing pco right now that haven't seen him since you know he was in the wbf in the 90s i mean like so i'm interested to see what kind of how impacts fan base reacts to pco and kind of seeing the, the crazy things he might do um so yeah i i really liked uh it, it was exciting to see and I, and I know that um we'll talk a bit more about it but like we saw roxy at the end during the main event and stuff like there there's a lot of it's there the the seeds are being planted that there's some sort of ring of honor invasion story happening in impact and it's pretty exciting to see and i'll be real with you when ring of honor put out that post that they were essentially taking out a hiatus and they said they would be back around wrestlemania i was like yeah right this is it this is we're done like part of me didn't really believe it and i thought okay fine if they do come back it's going to be like just the one show for wrestlemania weekend because no matter what it's going to sell like you have a bunch of fans going that you know just want to go to a show you put the ring of you have the ring of honor brand obviously it means a lot so people are going to go and tune in for the show and then that's pretty much going to be it like for me that's personally how i see all of this situation situation but uh i just feel that impact wrestling kind of keeping the ring of honor name alive right now is it, it's it's good and i feel like you know this invasion stuff like it always works so i'm really interested to see how this is all going to play out and i feel that if and and i i, I have a feeling that they're going to make the right decisions in terms of the storytelling of this to really keep it you know entertaining and buzzworthy and all of that so it, it good for them because you know what like i said it's kind of keeping ring of honor's name you know out of the you, you it's keeping it alive really yeah, exactly. And I think that's a big part of like, you know, when you see like the Briscoe brothers holding like the the Ring of Honor and the GCW titles and stuff like, it, you know, you see you see certain like Jonathan Gresham kind of popping up everywhere with that Ring of Honor title. I think it's just really smart, like anywhere that you can get a Ring of Honor presence in any company right now to keep it alive, as you said, that that's that's a very smart thing for Ring of Honor to do. And um and yeah, I see, I, I see people in the chat that are saying like PCO and Vincent, like they weren't that into them maybe being there. I think they're going to surprise some people in impact though. Like there, there's a lot of people in impact similar to like a Joe Doring or, or pretty much the entire violent by design group. I could see him going against those guys. And I know that they attacked the, the baby faces who won this match, but like Eddie Edwards versus PCO, for instance, it'd probably be a really good match. Like I, I think, I think that they're, I, I, like you said, I have faith that like, this is going to wind up being entertaining and, and good for everybody involved. And I think if you're not sure about PCO right now, if you're one of those people that are like, oh, I don't really know about PCO, trust me, 
within like the first time like even today because he did have like an awesome spot but like as you continue to see like what kind of crazy stuff he does you're immediately i feel like you're um, you're immediately gonna be like oh damn respect bro like I'm a fan of yours, you know? Yes, he is not human. And, and, and Ace, Ace Shock has, has mentioned a couple of times that that uh, Vincent was in Taven's kingdom before he turned. And that that is true, but that's kind of what I was like. Ta- in Ring of Honor, Vincent had his own thing going on for a while. Then the OGK, the, the original kingdom. But seeing them together, I mean, like, I, I get it. I get it. So. And I also like, so uh, when Sean tweeted the picture of all of them, you know, doing the Ring of Honor invasion, I thought I was, I quote retweeted and I put their stable name should be Dishonor. And then someone said that it should be the kingdom of Dishonor. And I was like, I like all of that. Like, I love that. It's a very good idea. So we'll see what happens. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Awesome. So let's go ahead and move on, everybody. We got two more matches to talk about. So let's get through this. A friendly reminder, once again, send in a super chat, send in a humper chat, humperchat.com. We will read your comments here, but let's get into the Impact World Championship, which was surprisingly not the main event. But we had Moose defending his title against Matt Cardona and W. Morrissey. And this is one thing that I do want to note, like right off the bat when they did the tale of the tape. Did you catch that they put uh they put that uh oh my gosh now i forgot how they did it they put i think it was moose no it was w morrissey that they put at 301 pounds and moose at 300 pounds oh i didn't and notice I thought, that they had him one pound the heavier one, the one pound difference killed me it killed me and then somebody wrote to me and i don't know because i didn't uh, i didn't like i didn't catch it when they showed the tail of the tape the tail of the tape but i think they put w morrissey at six uh six foot ten instead mm. of seven feet I, I i don't know but i did see somebody tweet me that so interesting I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the height portion but if they did that that's pretty hilarious anyways <laughs> but let's get into this um we uh let's we actually got a super chat really quickly about the previous stuff that we were talking about uh the ring of honor invasion this one is from dan v's 900 who says the ogk winning the doomsday device um, was a callback to the great uh, two to three falls match in Atlanta and Ring of Honor in 2015. The OGK beat the Briscoes dead. Um, did you, I think you just mentioned that as well. Yeah, thank you so much to Dan V900 for also sending in this super chat. I appreciate it. And someone confirms that it was the six foot ten that they saw on the tail of the tape. So I thought that funny. was pretty hilarious. Uh, good stuff, man. Uh, Impact has a uh, funny sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, let's get into this match. I think that there was a little bit of everything here. I think that at this point in the show, Steven, it is very easy to kind of be in the situation where you're like, you know what? The show has been great, but I'm a little tired at this point. So for me, I was so happy that when this match got started, they kept it, they kept it high energy high impact and i feel like the way that they basically did like all these big power moves it was smart of them to work them the match that way because i think it was easy for the people to really get invested in the match and not start to feel you know a little tired heading into like oh we want to watch you know the texas death match and whatnot obviously it's the impact world championship so uh regardless people were going to be excited about it but when you've seen so much wrestling and you're kind of starting to wind down a little bit i just really think that it was a good call for them to kind of kick off this match and work the match the way that they did really doing those high impact maneuvers um so steven how did you feel about how all of this played out uh give us some thoughts here yeah i agree with you about um like the high energy the high impact all that stuff uh no pun intended high impact um but you know i did see there you know there's some divisiveness i think about um 
about this main event. I think on paper that there was a, a portion of the fan base that wasn't that excited for this. Um, but I think that it was done. I thought it was a good match. I will say I thought the, the ending was a bit overbooked, but I'll also say that like they didn't do this on any of the other matches though. Like it wasn't like we had like a whole show of like ref bumps and interference and like all this stuff that makes you just kind of go, ugh, like again, this was different. This was more of like kind of a, sports entertainment type booking i think um but it, but it, it's perfect when cardone is involved especially in that kind of stuff um and then you had the inclusion of chelsea green basically i mean she was out there helping uh cardona and i've said this a lot lately you know i think morrissey has improved uh drastically since leaving the wwe like i, I think he's actually for a guy for his size he's gotten a lot better in my opinion um so i thought he did everything he needed to well in this match and and Moose is a guy that like I've been calling for probably close to two years for him to win that title. And it sucked that it happened at the expense of Josh Alexander the way that it did. But like Moose carries himself like a champ. He looks like a champ. He hits hard. Like he's very believable. Um, and these guys were out there hitting all their finishers like over and over again. And Cardona is doing the, uh, I guess he calls it the radio silence. I've gotten very yeah. used to calling it the sack rider. Um, but he, uh, yeah, I, I, it was cool to see them doing all their stuff out there. And, uh, and yeah, what did you what did you think though about like the ending, like with all the ref bumps and all that stuff that they kind of led up to the finish? I didn't hate it. I actually liked it. There was a moment where uh where after the chair shot, I thought that Matt Cardona, when he rolled up Moose, I thought it was over at that point. Like there was a split second where I thought, oh man, they're gonna have Matt Cardona win this. So I kind of got fooled during that moment there. Uh, but I have to agree with you. I I, I really thought that they played this. I liked I liked the addition of Chelsea Green as well. And if you would have told me like on paper before this, I probably would have been like, oh, I don't know how that's going to work out. But I did like how they did, especially her, you know, doing uh, doing that, uh, you know, splash off of the top of the uh, the stage. I thought that was pretty cool. Her getting involved afterwards, you know, kind of getting in the way. I thought that that kind of added a little bit more to everything that Matt Cardona has been doing. So I thought that made a lot of sense to kind of see that. But I kind of want to put over Moose. And obviously as a champion, you're expecting him to be put over but man I just kind of feel like it is scary like when you see him move the way he does especially given his size you're just like dude where is this coming from but it's obviously all athleticism but it is just this like the the spike in energy that you see when he moves in the ring and seeing him do that crossbody like right at the beginning of the match oh man I don't know why it was like such a simple oh not such a simple thing but it it, it just was very impactful and I just really really liked all of that good stuff I thought that seeing the visual pin from W Morsey to Moose I thought that that was interesting we got a visual pin there but I mean other than that I did like the finish you know Moose essentially uh, spearing. Matt Cardona getting the win there. It was good. I liked it. I thought that it kept the entertainment, uh, you know, hot. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you too, about that roll up by Cardona. I thought like in a match like this, where like, I was pretty confident Moose was going to leave as the champion. If you could just get me to the point where like, I think someone else is actually going to win. Like you've done your job as far as I'm concerned as a company. And there was a few different times where I was like, oh, Car they're going to give Cardona the belt. Like, you know, and, and you hear it a lot when it comes to Cardona and uh, shout out to Fightful Magazine. I just actually wrote an article about him in the latest issue. And we and I talked about some of this stuff and, you know, he's an impact. He's a very different character than he is everywhere else. Um, but he's really made it work 
everywhere he's gone. Like he's like a chameleon. He's like, it doesn't matter what company he's in, whether he's a heel, a baby face with Chelsea, without Chelsea, whatever he's doing, like he's making it work everywhere. And, you know, I thought he came into impact a bit lukewarm, like actually a year ago at hard to kill is when he made his debut in the company. And, you know, I think at the, it went from a point of like, I think kind of lukewarmness to like, if he would have won the title tonight, I think a lot of the fan base would have been really behind it and wanted to, especially because he's like going for the NWA world title and he's been the GCW champion. It's like, he's kind of out there challenging for all these world titles right now. Um, and Morrissey, like you said, I'm glad you brought that up about the, uh, the visual pin, because that does leave some meat on the bones for, you know, Moose and Morrissey were, were aligned for a while there. And like that in itself, one-on-one, we haven't really seen, you know, for the title. So there's a lot of options coming out of this that they might be able to do before the inevitable Moose versus Alexander showdown. Exactly, exactly. We got a couple of super chats and I'm so glad that Cool Dream sent this in because I, I made a mental note of uh, talking about this. This was a really good spot too. Cardona pushing Moose onto the table. That was sick. That was a that was a ballsy spot there. Honestly, I don't know how else to put it, but that looked pretty impressive. Uh, so thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, Dan V900 sends in another super chat saying from a buzz perspective with Cardona's 2.1 million followers and a live tour, it made more sense for him to win. It didn't make sense from a booking perspective with the eventual Moose Alexander match. Thank you so much to Dan V uh, for also getting this super chat in. Um, damn, lots of good stuff there. Uh, I think I got everything on that end here. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to add or should we move on to the uh, Impact Knockouts World Championship match? Uh, no, we can move on. I think we got everything there. All three guys look very good, though, in this match. And all three are very, very uh, formidable contenders uh, for, for that world title right now. All right, so let's get into one of the matches that I was really looking forward to, especially because, again, the ending of this match, I think, was just kind of, you know, people were curious what the hell was going to happen, especially after all the news yesterday where Mickey James was the talk of the town. Uh, so we had the Impact Knockouts World Championship in the main event. Yes. A Texas death match, Mickey James versus Deanna Perrazzo. Obviously, Deanna Perrazzo trying to get her championship back. She did not succeed. Mickey James did end up... Uh, you know, retaining her championship, but this was a war. This was a legit war. And one of the things that I want to start off by saying is that you can tell that Mickey James loved each and every single minute moment of this match. She went out there and this is Deanna too, but I, I just feel like, you know, Mickey James took a lot of these brutal spots, especially that thumbtack spot where I'm just like, I really feel like we're, uh, I don't know. It was just very cool to kind of see, kind of see everything that they did here. Okay. Like it was really good stuff. Um, Let's get some of your thoughts here first, and then we'll kind of go over a little bit some of the cool spots that they did here. But how did you feel about this match overall? And were you expecting Deanna Perrazzo to get her championship back? So to answer that question, I was like, I was 50-50 on it. But in my official predictions, I did choose Deanna. Now, the thing is, Impact was in a win-win scenario with this match either way, because the wrestling world's buzzing about Mickey James and the Royal Rumble. Whether she wins or loses this match, there's already been a big win, in my opinion, for Impact. Because, like, either Mickey retains and she maybe brings that title with her, or they're at least they're mentioning it, mentioning it on a, you know, at the Royal Rumble, or Deanna wins. And it's like maybe a lot of this fan base 
that is watching impact because of the buzz of like, like what's going to happen with this title. Now it's like, Oh, Deanna, like this is the champion now. Like I got to keep watching impact. Cause like, she's amazing, you know? So like, it was a really a win-win no matter who won this match, in my opinion. Um, that said, I thought the match, they, they went out there and killed themselves. Um, Mickey James, like you said, took some, some brutal stuff into those thumbtacks. I always get, uh, I always feel uneasy when I see thumbtack spots, when I start seeing the strays kind of floating around out there. And really? Like, oh, I well, love it. Well, be, well no, I, I, I mean, I just mean from the perspective of like, you know, when a few of them kind of like, kind of wind up in other spots in the ring. And then you notice like, it, well, I'll put it this way. It's got to hurt. I know this sounds weird. It's got to hurt worse to take one of those than like a pile of them. I feel like, I feel like if I hit them at once, I'd just be like, I'd just be kind of like shocked if I didn't expect it and like one of them poked me out of nowhere. I'd be like, what was that? You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I, I thought, I thought they did great out there. Um, Deanna's next level. Like she's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now, in my opinion. And uh, she's, she's another one of those that like, how did the WWE not see it? Um, and she's killing it out there. And Mickey's been great for decades. And I honestly think she's doing the best work of her career right now. Like, I mean, these are two women that really, or in their primes, I think. And they both got color out there. They were bleeding. Um, I mean, they, they went out there and they did, I mean, they it lived up to when, when you're going to go out there and do a Texas death match, like there are certain things you're expecting to see. And I think that they went out there and they showed out. It was, it, I thought it was really, really well done by those two women. Good stuff. Let's talk about some of the details here. Uh, obviously, we had Roxy, uh, who was watching this match as you know it progressed, and she's the current Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. So it was kind of cool to kind of see her and have her have them acknowledge her. And again, you know, a lot of what we were seeing today, well, you know, we had the Ring of Honor invasion, we had the Ring of Honor World Title being defended, we had you know somebody from Ring of Honor doing uh, ring announcing, doing commentary, and then you have the uh, you the women's uh, champion out there as well. So I kind of feel that. That all of that stuff made sense. Now, with that being said, uh, there was a lot of really good moments that we saw uh, throughout this match. So I'll just kind of point out a few of them. Uh, you mentioned that both women got busted open. We did get to see that. We literally saw Deanna during the stage area, she pushes one of those caddies onto Mickey James's face. I thought that that was pretty, uh, that was pretty sick. I liked that spot. I love Mickey James hitting Deanna Perazzo with the knee brace multiple times in the face. I thought that was really good. Uh, Mickey James obviously going through the, the thumbtacks. That was really awesome. And uh, there was the one moment where Deanna Perazzo was down and out and she was being counted, was nearing the 10. And then we saw uh, uh, Matt get involved in this Matt comes in and he stands her up oh I love this spot I thought it was a brilliant spot because I, I don't recall how many times I've seen uh somebody essentially help somebody else up and you know have them you uh you know break the break the count right and prior to this match Gail Kim had told him like hey you touch Mickey you, you know that your guys are done he didn't touch Mickey he got involved but he didn't touch Mickey so I kind of felt that that was a, a smart and funny way and unique way to kind of you know, get that spot over. So I really liked that. Um, Deanna doing the gotch pile driver on the table. It was a little bit uh, not perfect, 
but it was still pretty brutal at the end of the day. But and it didn't like everything didn't align perfectly, but it was still a, a nice little brutal spot there. Uh, there was a really hilarious moment. OK, and Steven, I don't know how you felt about this, but there was a moment that I thought was really funny because Deanna Perrazzo gets so desperate. Right. She's so frustrated. She wants to defeat Mickey James that she hits her with a low blow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I saw like at first I didn't get it. Like at first I was like, why did Deanna Perrazzo hit Mickey James with a low blow? That ain't gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? now, now are you talking about the time where she like held on? Yeah, because okay. she she hit her with the low blow, right? And then like right. I, I saw Mickey James like she, was she blocking it or was she what was? She... Well, so there was a call back there to the to Mickey James and Trish Stratus at WrestleMania where she does the move oh, while, okay. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like that was a straight up callback to uh i mean that was literally a wrestlemania mat they may have even i think last i heard they might have actually edited that out of like the network too that she even did that so like so if, if you if you remember you remember like that was a for sure callback to to a wrestlemania moment from like she's 15 years ago or something um but yeah i thought that was clever just a little a little nod to the longtime fans it was just funny as hell though because i had the reaction of like like i didn't like for me it was more of like wait why would she do the low blow like that was my initial reaction was like it ain't gonna hurt (laughs) 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 all right that was my reaction to that um obviously we see mickey hit the mickey dt and she retains the championship uh it was a lot of fun i really do think that they went above and beyond and really made a brutal match a brutal beautiful match good way to end the uh to end the show and it really it really it was a strong main event as well i do want to say that as well for sure. And and as we mentioned, Roxy being their front row, I hope that plays into something soon. Her being their Ring of Honor Women's Champion. And uh, she has some stuff already, some seeds already planted with Deanna Perrazzo. And like, I think she could be in the mix with all these women because she's she's really good. So um, there's a, I see people in the chat. I'll know what I'm talking about too. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 22. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got We're just dying. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I... They, they're, they're, those are just two women that are performing at a really, really, really high level right now. And uh, I, kudos to uh, to Impact for having the main event. Also, I think that this is something that the fan base wanted, and I think that this uh, was the right match to main event. And I think that it was, it was all just, it was done, it was done really, really well. Um, and now it's going to be interesting to see Mickey going over into WWE in the Royal Rumble and. I would think it'd be cool as hell if someone else followed her. Like if Deanna follows her over there to, you know, I mean like I, or, or someone, right. Like, or I, I feel like hopefully this will open it up a little bit more for some of these women that are like super mega talented, but almost hidden away and impact in a way. Like there, there, there's a lot of really good wrestlers there right now that I think could really use the exposure. Um, so yeah, but awesome, awesome main event. Um, I, I will say this as far as the Texas death match, my one critique, and this is, this is just me i kind of would prefer if they just like counted like did it like didn't pin them for three and then like and then the 10 count i'd prefer if it was just kind of like a last man standing match type just of a thing straight 10 count yeah. just a straight 10 count because it's like you, you keep seeing the visual once. yeah right? and when you keep seeing the visual of like the champion getting pinned and stuff or whatever and you're just like i don't like i'd rather just see the 10 count but that's just me and that's a very very small critique it's just a personal one but yeah i, I get you because i kind of felt the same way because i think there was a moment where mickey pinder on the outside and i forgot for some reason i just forgot i saw the three count i was like oh 
I thought that was the finish. And then I was like, oh, wait, you're dumb. Like, this is still going, you know? So for me, it was just kind of like that moment where I kind of had to remind myself and say like, oh, obviously, I'm just so used to it. I think the live audience was with you too because they kind of like, there was kind of like a like a gasp from the crowd. They're like, wait, what? And then yeah. like the ref started counting. They're like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, yeah. think, I think there was a lot of people in that boat. And we actually, oh, and we do have to mention too the, I know we mentioned it at the top of the show, but I think we also have to mention the uh, the call, the shout out promoting Impact Wrestling promoted, uh, promoting WWE Royal Rumble at the end. Oh, it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, we do got a super chat uh, from Jake, uh, a humper chat, excuse me, from a Jake Waterworth who says, love the show. Impact is consistently great. Loved every match, especially the main event. I understand that tax spots have a place in wrestling, but I personally don't like them and I feel they're getting a bit overused recently. What say you? Well, I'm polar opposite of that. I love the violence. I love the blood. Give it to me. Steven, how do you feel? Well, I mean, I know there's people in the chat right now that are like, this guy's such a GCW fanboy. But I mean, I'm, I'm used to seeing people putting gu- gusset <laughs> plates. You're in the each GCW fanboy, but I work for GCW. <laughs> right, right. I know. Right. But it's like, I've, I I've become it. so, I num- I've become so numb to it. We're like, I'm used to seeing people putting gusset plates in each other's heads and like meat skewers and stuff, so, you know, like, so to me, thumbtacks is very, very tame. Um, yes, so that's it is. It's it. like, like I, I kind of feel bad, but I, mean, I see a thumb t- a thumbtack spot. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But I need something a little bit more now. Well, but but now the little bit more is the next level is the the people out there taking the thumbtacks to their bare feet. Like they they're always they always figure out ways to to up it for for the yeah. fans out there. So uh, so there's that. When when you feel like you've seen it all, they'll they'll figure something else out crazy to do for you. We're just disgusting, violent, hungry people, Stephen. <laughs> That's what we are. Yeah. I love it. All righty. So that was Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill. A really awesome night where I can't even I can't even decide on my favorite match of the night. Uh, legitimately, I think if you did not watch this show, go out and watch it. I think you'll be entertained every single match. Like we said, had something different to bring to the table. It was enjoyable. Uh, before we go, though, uh, Steven, please feel free to plug in anything you want to plug in. Sure. So y'all can listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. That's every Sunday at FightfulSelect.com. I'll have a show out tomorrow. A few things I got to catch up on tomorrow wrestling wise before I do the show. So it may be like a late afternoon, evening type of upload. I'm not sure yet, but if you're over there on Fightful Select, you'll see when it drops. I mainly cover independent wrestling. So as we've talked about a lot before, uh, GCW, a lot of different stuff on independentwrestling.tv. I always highlight at least one show of IWTV to talk about and discuss. Uh, we talk NWA, we talk uh, MLW. I mean, 205 Live and NXT UK are the only WWE related shows that I watch and it's to review them on that, on that show. So we got that over there too. So there's a lot of good stuff to listen to over there at Fightful Select. Um, y'all can uh, catch me on Fightful Fight Night, the next live show for uh, youtube.com slash fightful that'll be ufc 270 which will be not this upcoming weekend but the next one and then that same weekend i'll be going back to back on the fightful youtube because we've got ufc 270 on saturday and then on sunday we have gcw hammerstein i'll be doing the post show right after with righteous Reds, righteous Reds from grapsity so that's going to be a lot of fun um, there's a lot of good stuff. I'll be at Terminus uh, next week um, here in Atlanta. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff going on in the world of wrestling and mixed martial arts. And uh, you can follow me, find me on Twitter at uh, Fight Talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. Use code Fight Talk and IWTV.live. Help me out. 
I feel I love it. I feel like your weekender podcast. It's just like a mixed bag of, you know, all of this random stuff. I love it. That's good stuff, man. Um, thank you so much, Stephen. I feel like we always have a good time doing these shows. Uh, we almost went two hours, so uh, we didn't get there just yet. But, you know, we're good. We're hey, good. And no and no and no weird uh, VR forehead type stuff this time. So. <laughs> thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. Um, as for me, everybody, Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. I just hit 50K. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, my next goal is 100k so i'm gonna be annoying till then um youtube.com slash denise salcedo please go there subscribe i just hit 51,000 subscribers there uh, so please make sure to subscribe there as well um check back here each and every single monday i'm on with sean ross sap to cover monday night raw and it is a roller coaster so make sure you guys check that out other than that i'm denise salcedo this is steven jensen we'll see you guys next time have a great weekend everybody bye when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.